All right, welcome to Old School, Jane Huger, Wozni Lombre, Ben Mankowitz is in there somewhere, okay. Uh, so, um, as always, brought to you by shoptyt.com and twostrongcoffee.com slash tyt. Beautiful mugs, beautiful people, beautiful coffee. Uh, this is where Ben is amused with my worst ads ever, but I'm gonna continue it. Uh, ben, I, now that I've been drinking without the cream, I, I don't know why people don't discuss this more. I, this is a real topic, sure, fine, too strong, blah, 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 right? But like with cream, I could never tell the difference between the coffees. Now without the cream, it's like a gigantic difference. Like one tastes great, the other one tastes like crap. I'm like, what the, okay, so now an amusing gen question to both of you. Did everybody know that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Creamer, creamer is used to mask the coffee taste. Uh, that's I thought that was generally accepted as the point of creamer. Um, but I do, you know, I, I must confess, I'm not one of these hardcore people who's like, oh, I just take my coffee straight and dark. I go to Starbucks, I get the nitro cold brew with the salted caramel sweet foam. That's my Starbucks order, y'all. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's not much like actual coffee. Sorry, <laughs> no, <what> it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you got to get off that stuff. You got to get on the two strong coffee uh, business. We I will. We should have you as like a spot. I don't know what that means, but like some sort of contributor, sponsor, affiliate. One of those words that people use. Lock me <laughs> in. I'm open. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Um, so, uh, by the way, Progressive Heel and Meowist uh, just uh, joined by hitting the join button but, uh, on uh, YouTube, and we really didn't even get started. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Waz, um, thank you guys. We appreciate it. And you, you can do likewise. Waz, how, how did you get started drinking coffee? My mother. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, she was giving me coffee basically since I could remember my first memories. I was having coffee in the morning, um, and and not even like <laughs> Folgers, like Bustelo, Colombian coffee. When I was like from kindergarten on, so my mom got me wow. on coffee. It would be coffee with milk or cream and like uh, some Haitian bread from the local Haitian bakery. So like, yeah, that was, that's a staple Haitian breakfast, coffee or tea with Haitian bread and peanut butter on it. Yeah, so my mom got me on coffee. Yeah, I remember now in Turkey, we used to take the, the Turkish bread and then we, a treat was, and this was considered breakfast, you put butter on the uh, on the bread and then you put sugar on top of the butter. And ta-da, <laughs> that's Turkish French toast. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds delicious. Not so bad, actually. Come to think of it, I'm thinking of doing one. Of <laughs> so, uh, but did she like? Did you guys ever talk about it? Like, hey, mom, why did you start giving me uh, caffeine uh, in significant doses in kindergarten? Was she trying to accomplish something with it, or just she just thought, no, every kid should start with coffee in the morning? Uh, I, I just think that's what they did. That's what you do in Haiti. Everybody drinks coffee, like from the kids to the adults. I don't think she ever questioned it. Um, she just, you know, you're about to go to school. Here's some coffee. Wake your ass up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll do it. So it makes sense. 
<laughs> okay, um, and and Ben, you were saying that you got started super early too on coffee, right? Yeah, I, I completely. I mean, I was drinking coffee at five, maybe earlier. Uh, my mom and dad, you know, I mean, it was like uh, it was it was cafe au lait. Which was, you know, half coffee, a tremendous amount of milk and sugar, but I was drinking it, and I started wanting it every day because um, it was delicious. Uh, well, so, addictive. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's addictive, but it's low grade addictive. I mean, I've <laughs> stopped, I've stopped drinking coffee, and if you can deal with having a headache for thirty six hours, you've conquered the addiction. Like, you know, it's not like you're not locking yourself in a room, you know, like in a movie. And you know, people are waiting outside while you pound on the doors, begging for a hit of heroin. You know, it's like it's a little, it's a little easier. Like you have a yeah, slight, you have a slight headache, and you take an anison, you're okay. Yeah, um, and that's what God invented Advil for, anyway, right? So, right. oh, I got a little bit of a headache. I think Advil. Oh, look, I'm done with my coffee addiction. <laughs> uh, but as one of the purveyors of too strong coffee, I don't recommend it. I think that's an addiction you should not kick. But uh, I, I, did, I had a coffee withdrawal headache when I went away to camp. The one summer that I went to sleepaway camp, Camp Minnehaha in Minnehaha Springs, West Virginia. Um, so that's real. That's a real place. I won the basketball trophy and the baseball trophy. That is rather impressive. Okay. It was totally, bro. Baseball is smarter than everybody else there. Like I backed up plays so you win the trophy, right? And I could hit. Um, Basketball, I was so nervous. I missed 47 straight layups and then calmed down and was the average player that I am now, you know. And uh, but I'd made such improvement <laughs> that they was awarded the trophy. I got you. I'm gonna jump around now. Uh, so, uh, as opposed to normally, uh, was, uh, was there a moment when you played sports where you broke through? Where like, hey, like Ben said, you were nervous and then all of a sudden you figured it out, right? Or you weren't that good, but then something happened and then all of a sudden you were like, okay, I'm in my groove now. Uh, probably like seventh grade, uh, CY, I played in the Catholic school uh, league, CYO is what it's called. I don't know if they got CYO outside of New York, but- um, They have CYA everywhere, let's cover your ass. All right, uh, apparently we had a little technical issue, we dropped off. Uh, but uh, me, Waz, and uh, Ben kept talking and uh, and we it found was out- great. It was great, yeah. yeah we found out good. that, hey, here's a quick summary. Um, it turns out basketball did not help Waz get laid. <laughs> it did not, it never has. <laughs> ben, were you ever good enough in, in sports that it impressed the girls? Yeah, but, but you know, I, it was a, you know, I just get the sense the way like the way Was talks about sports, he was in a more competitive environment, right? So, <laughs> um, in in my little uh, DC uh, crunchy lefty private school world, mm-hmm. um, you know, it helped because they didn't think I was going to be on the basketball team, let alone be the captain, right? And the captain was just because I am the prototypical stereotypical captain of a team. I shared it with the, with the best player on the team, thank goodness, right? But I mean, I spent a tremendous amount of time, as I've said before. I started every game for two years, junior and senior year. We had no seniors when I was a junior. And uh, 
Clinton, my, my role was neither to play point guard nor shooting guard. It was just guard, the other guy. Our shooting guard brought the ball up the court and distributed the ball and took all the shots because <laughs> he was great, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and my job was to stand at the top of the key when things got out of hand, uh, put the ball on my hip and go, come on, let's run the place. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I'd sort of get out of the way and hope that when I was open for my little 11 foot bunny that they, when when uh, defenders would inevitably slack off of me, uh, that I would make uh, two out of five, right? That was the goal and that's, and what do you know? At the end of uh, two years, I averaged four and a half points a game for a very high scoring team and I played a lot of minutes. Uh, and it was mostly just a, come on, come on, come on, settle down fellas. <laughs> That was my, uh, uh, and to draw charges of which I drew literally hundreds. So um, I almost got up on the table and said, "Oh, captain, my captain." That's <laughs> how I was finding out. Like this, is what's embarrassing is that when we elected the captains, I knew, like, how do I vote for this? Because whoever I vote for is likely to be the person I share being captain with. Like I had never been so obvious. Like I don't know how crushing it would have been if I had not been elected captain. Like it was just obvious of how that was gonna play out. Not, and I you know, didn't, as you know, I didn't. I wasn't always telling people what to do. I didn't act like. I just sort of knew. Oh yeah, this is like I've been working my way for 15 years to be elected captain of this team, uh, and uh, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully I was. You know, that's funny because, in a sense, my story is slightly opposite, not completely opposite. Uh, you know, I never thought of myself as a good athlete, but. Given that I was a middle linebacker for a nationally ranked team, apparently it was good enough, right? Yeah, and it was, a, and um, and uh, but on the other hand, I had zero percent chance of being captain. Like I was respected on the field, but I did not get along with my teammates at all. I couldn't mm. even communicate to them uh, with them. I mainly talked to the three other kids who were nominally in honors classes on the team, right? And we never talked to the cool kids and the, the captains and stuff. There's like no, like if you said, hey, we're voting on captain, who's voting on Jenk? People would be like, <laughs> <laughs> who the hell would vote for Jenk? Yeah, right? no, uh, <laughs> I, I had it, I had it, I had it in the, I had it in the bag. So, <laughs> so wait, Jenk, yeah. you're saying that people, you, you couldn't connect with your teammates because they weren't as good at school as you? Was that like actually a thing? Yeah. 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 No. And no. Yeah. That is what he was saying, but that's not what it was. Like, <laughs> like okay, I, I know what it was now, looking back at it. But I'm curious what Ben thinks it was. I Jenk was a a, a a you know, I mean, I, I usually mean this only pejoratively now. Like people now in this new era, being a contrarian almost invariably mm. just means you're an ass. Right. right, and you're taking uh, established, uh, uh, known, frequently information, vital information, and twisting it and turning it around as if you're some sort of renegade, right? And it just makes you an ass. Um, but I think Jenk was a, a legit uh, contrary. Like he he was full of ideas. There wasn't a set. There was sort of a set orthodoxy which he resisted, and he liked resisting it. I mean, he went to Penn shortly after high school, of course, and started a pro Iraq War rally. That's not the <laughs> pro war rallies generally don't get you the captaincy of your <laughs> general. 
<laughs> yeah, pro war rallies really don't get you anything. Well, uh, can can we get into this? I, like, why did you want to do that? How did it go over with your peers? Like, take us through the pro Iraq war rally yeah. on the University of Pennsylvania's campus. Just for the record, it was the first Iraq war. Yeah. Oh, the Gulf War. I thought yeah, this was oh, sorry, you're right. I should have called it. The, no, he was not. He was in the. By then, he was an anti. Uh, he was anti. Okay. Okay. So this was this was George H. W. Bush. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and so look, I, I'll get into that in a sec. And uh, but the most important clarification is the one that Ben did. Uh, ben and I were on the air during the Iraq Gulf War and the lead up to the Iraq Gulf War, and we were along with Amy Goodman. I think really the uh, one of only two national shows such as it was uh, that that were against the Iraq war. Uh, and the difference between the Persian Gulf War and the uh, and the Iraq war are gigantic. Uh, it doesn't mean that the Persian Gulf War was right or that I, it certainly doesn't mean I was right to hold pro war rallies, no matter <laughs> how you slice it, okay? Um, but um, but I'll explain that in a minute. But Ben, actually your, uh, your general uh, assumption about why I, I was not captain material on the football team and did not get along with other guys, is a really good assumption, but it happens to be incorrect. Um, so, and I'll tell you why, and I, I think this is interesting, and it, I don't know if it affects other people, but so um, when I'm in situations where I'm relatively comfortable, uh, that is when I'm more comfortable rebelling, okay? So uh, in a political context, in a business context, media context, I'm still uncomfortable or have been for almost all of my life, but I do it anyway because I can't help it, right? And uh, and and it's mainly driven by, I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, I think this is the better idea and I'm really pretty sure of it. I'm not insisting on it. I just really want to let you guys know just in case you didn't think of it, okay? <laughs> it's more along those lines, right? And And in a school context, I'm super comfortable. And that's where I will rebel to the point of being an ass. Um, and so, but in the football field and that and, and and that team, I was not at all comfortable. It was a culture clash, and so there were the the cool guys on the football team who partied every weekend and bragged about how uh, they were viciously rude to their uh, girlfriends, ex girlfriends, <laughs> the girls they hooked up with, etc. And I was amazed by those stories. And don't get me wrong, I wasn't some sort of like. Uh, crusading hero or anything like, guys, I tell you, you really should not do that with the ladies. That is not fair, okay? No, I, I didn't do that. Maybe I should have done it, but I didn't, okay? Uh, more like it would be like, oh, really, Clarky did that? Jesus, right? <laughs> so. <laughs> you would be scandalized by the stories that you heard from your football teammates. But literally, yes, mm. okay, like, like, Taken aback. Okay, so um, whereas I was in, in in you know the honors classes, etc., and and so I was squarely in the nerd camp. In that sense, like nobody called me a nerd because I would kick their ass. <laughs> 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 and so it was a real like it's it's it. I don't know what to call it, but it was a dichotomy for sure, and people couldn't quite grasp it. And it was so it was a weird situation. But the, on the football team, I thought I'm not comfortable here, and I'm not in. Uh, I don't know what they know. I, I don't know what they're saying, right? 
I don't know what Jody said to Susie, and I don't know why Clarky dumped Susie. I don't know any of this stuff. I don't know how to be cool. Uh, and if I try to act cool, it will definitely fail. It'll flop. And so I kind of withdrew rather than causing a rebellion or doing anything like that. And um, looking back at it, it's funny because I'm. And this is a super interesting topic, which then goes back to the same thing you want to talk about was in that how much people change, right? Yeah. And, and so if I am the jank I am today and you put me back into that 16 year old kid's body and says, okay, now go, you're a sophomore on this team. You're starting as we started as sophomores. And well, I say I played in junior high too, but anyway, you're starting go, right? I'd be was, I'd be a hundred percent different person. 100 different percent different athlete, different teammate, etc. I'd go in and I have all the confidence in the world now. And I'd be like, okay, here's what we're doing instead. And then anytime anybody disagreed, I'd be like, okay, let's do a hit drill, okay? You get on the other side, I get on this side. And if I hit you harder, we're gonna do what I say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but my God, I would have never said that. I would have been so scared to say that on the football team. Not because of the hit drill, I love the hit drill, right? I would have been culturally afraid to say that. That's that what I, I was gonna ask. Do you think that your sort of, you know, your lack of comfort came from being a Turk? Did you feel like a foreigner around all those New Jersey kids? <laughs> yeah. Not exactly, and so that's why I think the issue of culture is so trippy, so interesting, right? Because it, which culture, right? It, it depends, and people usually think about it in terms of um, ethnic groups, racial groups, etc. And oftentimes that is the culture, right? Um, there's a Haitian culture, there's a Turkish culture, but in a, in my case, the school had so many immigrants, so many Indians, mm. Jews, Chinese, Koreans, you name it. Um, but they were almost completely separated from the rest of this school. Like the white kids generally hung out, the Jews and Christians mixed, right? But white kids generally hung out with themselves. And the Asians and Indians and Turks hung out with themselves. Uh, Jews definitely hung out with us too. So they were the ones, they were the, connective tissue in our school. Every school's mm. different, that's just how mine was. Um, and so so it was definitely not the Turkish thing, but it was partly the immigrant thing, mm. but it was more the nerd thing than anything else. It was gotcha. the nerd culture that separated me more. But it's all connected was because why was I a nerd? I was a nerd partly because of, you know, we were in, in the good classes and we didn't know how to be cool. But I was also partly a nerd because I, I was an outsider, uh, and and I didn't know, like I didn't grow, I didn't go to their camps, uh, I didn't grow up with, you know, the cool crowd and stuff, and so I just didn't know their language. I didn't mm. know, you know, I didn't I didn't know what they were saying, uh, and I didn't know how to fit in. So it was a little bit of immigrant leading to nerds, but all under the umbrella of outsider. That created that different culture. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Especially, you know, and the thing about high school specifically, there's so much like 
we get so much media around high school, whether it be movies or TV shows. And like we come into it with these preconceived notions about what our experience is supposed to be like. And if you already have these, you know, these notions and you don't even feel comfortable, you know, figuring out a way to realize these things, I could see it being difficult. The thing about my high school, which is funny, I think. One, the cool thing about football was that it started before high school even started. So we went to football camp in August, school started in September. So by the time school started, you had like 40 friends already, right? Which was a great thing about football. And then two, like my high school is kind of like a smart kid school. Like you had to make grades to get into my high school um, as a private school. Mm-hmm. Like, so you had to, like, so like, the notion that you would be a nerd at our school didn't really register because everybody was there because they were like kind of pretty good at school, right? So that kind of got taken out of it. Like the question of who was nerdy and who was getting good grades and who was in AP or honors courses, because that was the point of the school, right? Like it was in the name. It was like St. Francis Prep. Like we're preparing you guys for college, for the future. You know, one of the selling points. On um, preps like brochure when they when they're trying to sell the school to our parents is like super diverse uh, and ninety eight percent of our kids graduate high school, which in New York City, as you probably already know, Jank, where the education system, like the public school system, is cooked. Uh, that was just like a huge selling point. That was like a badge of honor for them. Like our kids come here, all of them graduate, all of them go to college. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So it was kind of like you know we we were a group of kids who already thought we were smart and knew knew everything anyway. Yeah. So it's funny you and Ben share that, um, and because you know he went to Georgetown Day, which is a good school, and mm-hmm. and and I went to a public school, so it was super mixed, and right. uh, and the cool kids and the nerds were very distinct. Like people knew, and then what the what's funny was is that there were the folks that were in the middle. Okay, there was the cool kids that were clear. There were the nerds that were clear. And there was this giant blob of, I don't know what they are. <laughs> they're not cool, they're not nerds, they're just hanging out. <laughs> so, but I wondered like for you, first of all, were you born here? Yeah, I was born in Brooklyn. My, my mom moved here in 1976 when she was pregnant with my older brother. So yeah, my brother was born here as well. And then she had me um, 11 years later. Okay, so um, did you feel any different because of your Haitian culture? Did that affect you in any way? Yeah, big time. Um, it's crazy, like, it's, hard, it's hard for people to understand now, but like, there was a lot of hate towards Haitian people back in the 90s. Um, like they were blaming us for AIDS. Uh, it was all kinds of craziness. Like people were marching in the streets of Manhattan because, like, you would go to the hospital and if you were Haitian, like the doctors would like treat you differently because they felt like it was a more likelihood that you had AIDS. Like, because AIDS was just like this scary thing when it first happened. And you know, the thing about Haitians as well, which made us outcasted us from other black immigrant groups was the language like Jamaicans and Trinidadians and people from Barbados and Guyana. Like all of those people are English speaking nations, 
And so they come to America, there's no real language barrier, not just with Americans, but amongst each other. Whereas Haitians, like we're learning English as a second language. So like there was always this like isolation with Haitian culture. But like luck, like what my my sister tells horror stories of like, you know, because she's 13 old, 13 years older than me. And she's like, yo, when you would just in high school, people would just want to fight you just because you were Haitian. They talk crazy about you, call you call you a Haitian booty scratcher, say that you were dirty and all this craziness. So, yeah, as a Haitian person back in the days, it was it was different. Like people really would talk a lot of crap about Haitian people. That was the thing. It's it's kind of like I feel I do feel like a connection to Mexican people, like amongst Latins, like especially in New York, right? Like when when Puerto Ricans or Dominicans or Cubans or Colombians, like when they talk about Mexicans, they talk in like a certain type of way. Like we're the Mexicans of the West Indian community <laughs> in New York <laughs> City, right? So there was definitely an isolation from that. But the crazy thing too, like I never really experienced it because by the time, man, I want to say the Fuji's became like world renowned, like super mega pop stars in like 1997 or 96. So I was already 10 years old by then. And then the Fuji's made being Haitian cool and acceptable. And you know, it was basically we were off to the races after that. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, things worked out. I, I have a sense of what the answer here is, but I want to ask anyway. The, the people who were calling your names based on you being Haitian, um, were they white or black? Black. There were no That's white people in my neighborhood. It was all, it was <laughs> the black Americans, the Jamaicans, the Trinidadians. They were the ones that were just like, they were just killing us. They were literally just killing us. And you know, the thing is, but our parents didn't do us any favors. Like, you could always see a Haitian kid coming from a mile away because, like, he's wearing jeans with dress shoes, whereas all the other kids are wearing like Nikes and Jordans and, 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 you know, I mean, like Adidas and whatnot. Like, our parents made us look like out cast too, you know, but again, like I was lucky enough that I came so late. Like by the time I was six, my brother had his first job, right? So he could buy me a pair of sneakers if I needed if I needed something cool that maybe my mom or dad didn't want to spring the money for. I had older cousins who were like, like making sure that like nobody was gonna single me out for looking like a crazy person, you know? So I was blessed enough to skip that. But like, I would go to the park and I would see the Haitian kids hooping in church shoes and like slipping all over the place <laughs> with no grip. Like, it was bad, it was really bad. It was, we were so profoundly uncool, you know, as a people. Um, so yeah, there was definitely some isolation with that. You know, it's crazy too, cause New York City and most of the East Coast though, but New York specifically is different than Los Angeles in that way. Like basically every black person in Los Angeles is a black American. Like their families from the South, like their fam like they can trace their lineage generations um of being down south. Like they're straight American, right? Yeah. Um, whereas in New York, like I feel like Nine out of ten of the people that I was around were first generation. Like their parents were immigrants. Like they were the first people in their family to be born here. Um, and a lot of people don't understand that sort of separation amongst the black people in New York. You know, um, it's crazy. 
Jake, yeah, but that's, that's the thing. That's yeah, the culture. That's the, uh, that's the that's uh, the that's the cultural difference, right? And uh, and it's just it's just you got to get it out of your head. All these things that we learned as a kid, like you know, like white, black, Asian, right? And then you realize, no, man, those uh, they're all from different parts of the world. They might hate each other, right? Listen, like man, right? Listen, yeah. I've heard some of the most racist things about black people said by my parents <laughs> who are black, okay? <laughs> like the way that they would talk about like black Americans, like, oh, they don't have any culture. They're this, they're that, they're blah, blah, blah. Like, you, you don't wanna hang out with black Americans, blah, blah, blah. They're rude, they're this, they have no class, blah, 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 blah. Like, the most racist stuff, of course, like, I didn't internalize it because it's like we we were into the same girls, the same music. We all wanted to hoop, like we were exactly the same. So it's like I never internalized. But our parents definitely would be like, "Oh, Jamaican people, they speak to people so brusquely. Oh, they're so rude. They're so this. They're so that." Like <laughs> it's crazy. But yeah. but no, hold on, hold on. The Jamaican part's kind of right. It's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But you know, part of it, you know what changed it for me a little bit? It happened so late in life, too. I mean, when you, first of all, you just get indoctrinated into what was happening as, as a kid, and the adults do too. I mean, it probably happened to your parents, right? I mean, whatever stereotypes existed and were sort of constantly reminded of by society as a whole, right? And certainly by the media. I mean, your parents eat up some of that too, whether they recognized it or not, right? And, but I, when I started, and partly this is because of Jank, when we were doing the the Young Turks pretty regularly, and we started watching, because I didn't like I don't like soccer, right? Because I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm American, right? <laughs> Soccer's stupid, um, and it's fun to make fun of soccer. It's super fun, and it's very much fun to make fun of American soccer, right? And all these, oh no, this league is coming. It's going to be huge. no, it is. It's never going to be huge, right? But I started to get this. Uh, interest in international soccer, right? Because they're so good and it matters and it's so passionate. And now I'm into it. And then you start looking at the players and you're like, that guy's German, <laughs> right? That guy's Polish. I can tell. He just is, right? That guy's Dutch. Look at him. He's Dutch. And I just felt like, man, 10 years ago, I'd have been like, that guy's white. Right. And it wouldn't have gone any farther than that. Uh, and obviously, you can be wrong, but it's, and of course, you could definitely be wrong because it could be by heritage or you could just be wrong. But it's just, it was like, man, it, it, it just matters where you're from. I mean, to get to Jenk's point about culture, and it means something uh, where you're from. And when you start recognizing that, that, we're, that where we're from, that we're all the same, yes, all that nonsense, we're all the same at some point, but the things that make us different are interesting. Right, of course. and they're part of what makes us compelling and attractive to other people because we can learn stuff from each other. But, but when you recognize that those German guys don't look like those French guys, even though they might have grown up 150 miles from each other, then then I that was that helped me. Then I felt like I was onto something. Ben, let me tell yeah. you something. Most of my life before I got to high school was around only black people and specifically mostly West Indian people, Caribbean people. So high school, which my high school I think was like 65, 70% white, um, was the first time that I had ever interacted with white people like on a consistent basis, right? Like we were playing football and basketball together, we're you know eating lunch together, whatever. And I'll never forget like in homeroom being blown away by the fact that like, wait, like, 
white people differentiate themselves. Like all <laughs> white people are just white to me, right? Like right, yeah, Chris right. Rock always tells the um tells the joke about like, you know, he doesn't understand Farrakhan because he hates Jewish people. And he's just like, all white people are white. Like I'm, you know, you Romanian cracker. Like it's just like <laughs> you're all white, right? And I just remember like, you know, they would make Polish jokes. Like how many Polish people does it take to turn a light bulb? Like I think it's like three, like somebody just spin the ladder, somebody just stand. On. It was like yeah, some that one. really horrible joke. You know, Polish people are stupid. Italian people are kind of black. <laughs> That's their dish. Irish people are drunks, like, and I'm like, it, it blew my mind. I was like, wow, like white people are different. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, and that's and that and and that's the, you know, thankfully for white people, that's not a big concern, right? right. That, that there are black kids that that think all white people are the same, whereas it is a problem when all the white people think all black people are the same. But 100%. of course, you want these kids to have the same. Realization, right? It's what I want for my daughter that it's not quite enough. You know, I mean, I want her to go to school with people of a different backgrounds, but it's like, you know, it's a sprinkling, right? And I want her to know that there's a difference between a black kid who's moved out to LA and his family from Chicago and a black kid whose family moved here from Haiti, right? That those backgrounds are, are not the same, even though right now to her, she's gonna think, oh, these kids all look alike, or, you know, more or less, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. uh, it's tricky. I mean, it shouldn't be tricky in LA because it's such a multicultural community. But you got to go out and uh, and find it. Seek it, yeah. Right, right yeah. now, I'm probably not not doing a great great job of that. Well, it's been a so, and, and it's of course it's been a pandemic, but uh, but it's it is a it's a priority. So um, it, it's it's funny because um, we're all this roughly. I don't know if we're the same culture, but. We're very similar, the three of us, right? So we think in, in a lot of similar ways. We have a certain understanding of the world that's very similar, right? But man, do we come back come from three very different backgrounds, right? Yeah. So I I, I um, uh, was born in Turkey and I grew up there till I was eight. So to me, the difference in Europeans was stark. Like, <laughs> right. yeah. I'm like, I mean, who couldn't tell a French from a German? It's the most <laughs> obvious thing in the world, right? <laughs> and so, and I was literally born in Europe, right? So I was born on the European side of Istanbul. So, and I grew up watching World Cup soccer my whole life. And so now at that point, I mean, how many World Cups could there have been, right? But I'd seen enough and enough international soccer in Turkey and international players in Turkey that I, I, I by the time you get to Klose, if you remember him on the German team from a couple of World Cups ago, I'm like, I don't get it. Klose looks Polish, not German. And then later they're like, well, you know, Klose, of course, originally from Poland. I'm like, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. And so, and by the way, I love that. That's my favorite game. And it's a really dangerous game these days. Because people, you know, take umbrage at any identification of their background, and everybody has a different reaction, right? But I'll be like in the streets, and I'll overhear somebody talking. I'll be like, "You're Uzbek, right? Uzbek?" And they'll be like, "Yeah, how did you know?" <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go through my entire life and never go, "Oh, you're Uzbek, aren't you?" <laughs> yeah, and then. And then you know, called it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't see it happening. Yeah, no, I love that. I love being able to tell. Yeah, sure, of course. And yeah. an Armenian from Iran, as opposed to a Persian from Armenia. Uh, okay, so maybe I'm making that one up, but you get the point.
<laughs> so, uh, but guys, I, I'm gonna go back to it and look, or I'll stay on race for this, okay? So race is a human construct. And, and so for a long time, I had no idea what that meant, okay? When, when people start talking about things as a human construct is usually when I zoned out a little bit. Cuz I thought it was a thing that people tried to say or said to try to sound intellectual and I didn't think it really quite really delivered anything to me. But now I totally get it, okay? And, and race is definitely a human construct. All it means is God doesn't go, you are born black, you are <laughs> born white, okay? You Asian, right? No, we took a bunch of people born all across the world that are sometimes totally mixed up and sometimes totally not mixed up. And we said, okay, those folks over there are generally white, okay? The Italians, yeah, no, they're white, <laughs> yep, okay. And and those people are generally black. And then, and by the way, I, I should know this more than most of all because Turks are the mystery race. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Right, is it European, is it Asian, is it Middle Eastern, is it Mediterranean? Is it brown, is it white? No one knows, in fact, <laughs> If you look at my tan line, you'll go, holy cow, he's really white underneath the tan, right? And then you'll look at it and go, oh my God, he's really brown when he gets a tan. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're gonna I, take uh we're gonna take your word for it on that. Just uh, <laughs> I, I, I can speak for Oz and, uh, and Asher, everybody really. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, in New York, uh, you see it um even more, it's more stark now that I think about it too, because of the the heavy Irish and Italian influences in New York. Like it's like it's it's a really Irish and Italian city, like super duper. So, um, and especially in the outer boroughs, um, and like again, like we call Irish people and Italian people, they're both white, but they're there's just no, there's nothing in common. There's nothing like they they vaguely share a complexion, kind of, and that's it. And we just slap them with the white tag, like yeah, you get to be white. <laughs> I know, but then they, uh, but they, uh, they do, they are, and probably maybe just because they grew up in New York and because they were the dominant ethnic groups there in New York, uh, 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 immigrant ethnic groups in New York for so long. But they, uh, they took to each other. <laughs> so I mean, that is the that is the definitive New York mixed marriage, right? Is the Irish there is you know Bruce Bruce Springsteen and my wife both from Jersey, and that's what it is: is the Irish marry the Italians and create people from Jersey. By the way, two words that I never hear in L.A. Mick or Guinea. That's you right. You can't yeah. go two minutes in New York without hearing those two. Terms. <laughs> See, by, by the way, it was that's another cultural thing that separates folks. And I wonder if it's like a Jersey, New York thing versus the rest of the country, country. Because I grew up with so many ethnic slurs all around oh, me goodness. as a matter of course in New Jersey that, but not the N word, okay? Like, not like racial, but like ethnic, okay? That like when it became wrong to say it, we're like, wait, but we were friends. Wait, what do we do? <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Like, and I feel like a lot of maybe the rest of the country didn't feel that, and they and maybe they're that's why New York and New Jersey have a tough tougher time to addressing 
like adjusting to PC world. Is that crazy talk or does that make sense? I don't think it's crazy talk at all. Um, a lot of the language of <laughs> it, like how you talk to each other, your friends is you ball bust. That's what yes. you do. That's just what you do. Like the language of love in New York is hate. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you, you basically all you ever do is rag on the people that you love the most. Um, and I think that contributes to this, like, like what? Like that hurts your feelings? Like, you know, like that hurt your feelings? Like those words like ruined your day? I think that, yeah, it's it's tough when you in the Northeast and we're constantly berating each other and you go other places and people are just like, good morning, nice to see you again. It's it's weird. 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 Okay. So I know just two comments here because we're almost out of time. Just the anti-racist said in the beginning, oh no, Jank you were told a joke so bad he broke TYT's stream. <laughs> And I think that's true. When I said CYA, I was like, that's not that relevant to what we're talking about. So Jess, you are right. And I think that is probably the technical cause of all of our tech troubles today. Uh, Trigger Incarnate said, uh, this stuff is hilarious. All the, he said a different word, but all the drop signals and blackouts takes me back to the early days of TYT. This episode is old school in the purest form of the term. Yeah, it definitely is, it definitely is. We've had a lot of technical issues. All right, we're gonna go over the bonus episode in, in one second, but just real quick out of curiosity, do you, Waz, do you speak French or Haitian Creole? I speak Haitian Creole. Um, I took French in high school, but it was a joke. I, like nothing was um, <laughs> learned from there. But yeah, I speak Haitian Creole pretty fluently. And is it uh, is it is it very different than French? Super different. I mean, it's derivative of French, right? Like colors, right? Like in in, in French and 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 uh, Haitian Creole, for instance, the color red is whoosh. Right, um, that like the, the colors, the um, the the way you say the letters in the alphabet. Uh, there's certain words that are the same, but it's basically compl- uh, just completely different language. Like this stuff that I could pick up kind of in French if I'm paying really closely attention to what the people are saying, but it's super different. Well, you know, it's funny. Last night, my my daughter's middle name is Jolie, J O L E, um, and what I took to be French for pretty, but really. Louisiana French for <laughs> and then it turned out that that's really spelled in the French J O L I E and that's not what her name is and so she was like well which am, am I is it is it? and I'm like I don't know you're J O L E and I'm I'm sure that's I'm spelling it correctly of what I intended to spell and then I'm researching it googling it yeah and it appears that that's again that's sort of Creole Louisiana, uh, which is what we were looking for. Well, it's just the name of the song, but the song was Jolie at J O L E. So, yeah, I get it. So, I but I wouldn't have known that. I mean, I would have thought that the French spoken in Haiti was exactly the same. So, French when you go to spoken. school, you learn French. So, like my mom and dad, because they went to school, like they they know how to speak French. It's like the language that you learn in tandem, but like what the what the everyday Haitian speaks, Haitian Creole is just completely different. Right. Okay, now here's the fun part. We gotta go, but in the bonus episode for the members, Waz is gonna speak some Haitian Creole for us. Mm. Okay. <laughs> and having and and since I know four to five French words, I'm going to see if I can figure out what he's saying. Okay. <laughs> so that'll be a fun exercise. TYT.com slash join or hit the join button below if you're watching on YouTube. And we'll see you there.